Welcome everyone, welcome to the Simon Dan podcast, the place where science and conspiracy collide. We're on episode 8, we're really going for it now. A uh, bit of bad news, uh, Katz unfortunately can't join us today, this week. He's got some work commitments, but he will be back next week, do not worry. I was going to chat with him about um, a bit of Flat Earth news, but we'll save that till next week. And I also had his jingle ready to go, uh, but we'll do that next week too. He's very excited about his jingle. Anyway, we'll bring on today's guest straight away. Um, he's an expert on conspiracy theories, a professor of American literacy and cultural history at Tumigan University, author and principal investigator of the Populism and Conspiracy Theory Project. It's Michael Butter. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Hi, Dan. Thanks for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. No, no problem. Um, did I did I pronounce that right? The university. Yes, you did. Good, good, good. I, I wanted to because I wanted to chat with you uh, about uh, this university in particular because I have read up a lot about the history of astronomy, and one of the who I think is one of the most underrated scientists uh, of all time is Johannes Kepler, who taught at that university. Did he not? Um, he may have. I have to say I'm completely unfamiliar uh, well, of that, so I don't really know. But, um, I mean, this is one of the oldest German universities and yes. uh, one of the most traditional ones. And uh, a lot of famous people have uh, worked here over the years, so um, it might well be possible. I would trust you completely on that. Well, good. well that, was the, that was what I was going to ask, actually. I was going to say, is is there a lot of stuff about him there? But I guess not. No, actually not. But the thing is that it's, I mean, the universe is really spread out across town. And okay. uh, there is this conflict between the valley where the humanities are, where I am, and the, up on the hill where the oh, natural right. sciences are. So they might be remembering him uh, there. And I rarely ever get there. I mean, I rarely ever make it to the town center because I have two small kids. So oh, I'm okay. basically commuting between the suburb where we live and uh, my office here. But um I'm sure he is being remembered and appreciated by uh, the people who understand his work. I'm sure he is. I'm sure whenever I have conversations about astronomy, people very rarely know who he is. Um, and I, I was just wondering if, the, if uh, the university they did, but obviously it could be the science department. That might actually be that people don't know who he is might actually be a cultural thing because I yes. mean, I, I, I'm not aware if I wasn't aware that he taught here, but I was perfectly aware of who he is. And I think most Germans yeah. are so because, um, yeah, because he might be more remembered in German accounts of astronomy. Yeah, a little bit like Newton over here, but I mean, everyone knows yeah. who Newton is, don't they? So, um, well, I should li I'd like to think so. Um, anyway, um, I guess the, the, the first question we should get into is what got you interested in conspiracy theories? in the first place oh there was a lot of coincidence involved okay um, if we believe in coincidence which of course conspiracy theorists uh do not no. so um <laughs> i did my phd uh on representations of adolf hitler in american literature now i could tell you a long story of how i got into that there would be more coincidence <laughs> there but um so basically what i looked at is um American texts, mostly popular fictional texts from the late 1930s to the early 21st century in which Hitler appears as a character. Right. And I trace that chronologically. And uh, once you arrive in the 1970s or 80s, you get a lot of conspiracy thrillers that always have uh, a similar plot line. Something like, uh, it's spring 1945, Hitler's pregnant lover is smuggled out of Germany <laughs> on board of a submarine. Uh, cut. 40 years later, 
Hitler's son slash daughter slash clone is about to become American president. Uh, A lone CIA agent learns about this conspiracy and tries to foil it, but there's a whole network of Nazi agents operating in the United States trying to stop him. And will he he be able to uh, stop Hitler from occupying the White House? So once you're there, um, you have to deal with conspiracy and conspiracy theory. So I got into the topic and I read the, the the classical cultural studies books that came out in the late 1990s, uh, Peter Knight's book on conspiracy culture, Mark Fenster's book on conspiracy theories. And that really got me into that topic. And then I said, well, I can teach a class about that. And then I was looking for a second book project. And uh, I thought, well, let's tell the prehistory of that because these books only begin in the 1960s. And I said, well, let's tell the story from the 17th century to the Cold War. And uh, let's see how that fits their argument. Wow. Yeah, that that is, a. I mean, it's funny you mentioned the the Hitler thing because uh, there's I don't know if you know of the conspiracy theory of the Hollow Earth. Do you know that one? Yes, of course. Because they I talk mean, about um, they talk about Nazis and dinosaurs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We, we had a conversation on what happens. Like, do the Nazis ride the dinosaurs? Are they eaten by the dinosaurs? You know, this is one of my all-time favorite uh, movie trailers. Um, the one which, which I'm forgetting the title now, where the, where the Nazis are living behind the moon. Um, okay. And uh, there's the sequel where you see Sarah Palin. The trailer is there. You see Sarah Palin in the White House, and basically the world is ending. So she's flown in a helicopter to the North Pole, where she reveals her reptile hand <laughs> to open the secret pathway to the hollow earth, where yeah. she is greeted after a short elevator ride uh, by by uh, Adolf Hitler on a T-Rex. Wow. That's crazy, isn't it? I, I'll, I'll just... try to remember the title of yeah, the film. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I don't think I've, I've obviously not seen that, but um, it, it's, it's right though, isn't it? They're like, I don't know where these theories come from because it's it's not, it's completely not plausible, is it? That, that this is something that could be possible. No, not at all. And of course, I mean, there are interestingly enough people who believe, I think at the same time that the earth is flat and that the earth is hollow, which is a characteristic of conspiracy theories in the present that people sometimes hold mutually exclusive beliefs because they run counter to the official version, which yes. is all that matters to them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we find that a lot. We find that it's it, anything going against anything that is mainstream, anything against official, they'll go against that no matter what the story is or whatever the, the, the line is or, or anything. Mm-hmm. Um one of the uh, one of the first things that stood out to me in your book was the notion of a conspiracy theory, and that perhaps it would be better to refer to it as an ideology. But but you're saying perhaps that theory is the better word. Yeah. So the interesting thing is, and this is, I mean, because the book was originally written in German and then sure. translated, and I didn't change all of it. Um, that in Germany there has been for two decades a bit of a discussion about the term conspiracy theory or Verschwörungstheorie in German. Right. Um, We don't have any discussion like that in any other country. So I chaired a network of scholars uh, from 40 different countries for a couple of years. And in no language there is there a similar discussion, only in German. So people are saying, well, maybe we should call it conspiracy ideology or conspiracy myth, because conspiracy theories aren't really theories. But the thing is that um, analytical philosophers um, and sociologists uh, all agree that uh, conspiracy theories share more with uh, scientific theories and everyday theories uh, than we might like, because uh, they try to explain the world on uh, the basis of a couple of 
of interconnected assumptions. And if we look at conspiracy theory, these assumptions are nothing happens by accident, nothing is as it seems, and everything is um, connected. So conspiracy theory, I think, at the end of the day, is not only the established term, it's also um, it's also the best term for what we're dealing with, because um, people are developing theories about the world, even though these theories might strike others as completely useless and rubbish. Yeah, they are. And uh, one of the things that irks us a lot is, obviously, a scientific theory uh, is not the same as a normal theory. It's, it's mm. this, obviously the same word, but different meaning. And conspiracy theorists, they latch onto that quite a lot. And they say, you know, gravity, it's only a theory. Yeah. It's almost like they're, they're using their own definition of a theory and putting it next mm. to as a scientific theory. Yeah, and I mean, in Germany, and I think also in English, there is um, this distinction between this is theory and this is real. So the conspiracy theorists are saying, I don't want to be called a conspiracy theorist because these are real conspiracies. I'm not only theorizing about them. So they sure. have a different notion of uh, theory there. And of course, interestingly enough, they also have a conspiracy theory about the origin of the word conspiracy theory because <laughs> it's, of course, a highly stigmatizing term. So, um, yeah. um, so this term emerges in the late 19th century. It has a slightly different meaning back then, however, and it's then coined in its modern meaning by Karl Popper in the open society society and its enemies shortly after World War II, but the conspiracy theorists believe that the term was invented by the CIA in the 1960s to uh, disqualify a critique of the official version of the Kennedy assassination. So um, this shows you that you're not really doing uh, conspiracy theorists a favor if you don't call them conspiracy theorists, which is what the argument sometimes goes like in Germany. Yeah, I can, yeah, because they don't like being called it at all, do they? No, not they at all. Not at all. Um, and you mentioned there, which something else I always loved, I also loved about it was the, the three basic assumptions, which you mentioned, which is nothing happens by accident, nothing is as it seems, and everything is connected. Now, I've genuinely tied it to so many conspiracy theories since I've, since you, since I read about that, and the flat earth one in particular works well with that. But have you found any instances where that doesn't quite fit with a particular conspiracy theory? Yeah, I think the thing is that it particularly fits um, contemporary conspiracy theories because uh, since conspiracy theories stopped being uh, widely accepted knowledge at some point in the 1950s, 60s, uh, and became counter-narratives, uh, there has been a tendency towards what Michael Barkun, the political scientist who also came up with these three criteria, calls super-conspiracy theories. That is, the conspiracy theory is not only about a specific event or a specific group, uh, the Jews or 9-11, but it is about uh, the new world order that brings together many different groups of conspirators. So there really everything is connected. But if you look into the past, into the 17th or 18th or 19th century, then you have a conspiracy theories that are more limited in scope and that they really focus on a specific group or a specific event. And there, this criterion of everything is connected doesn't always quite fit. So it's not a sure. coincidence that someone like uh, Barkun, who really looks at uh, the second half of the 20th century, comes up with everything is connected as a criterion, whereas some 
someone like the English historian Jeffrey Cubitt, who uh, studied uh, 18th and 19th century conspiracy theories in much detail. Uh, his criteria are intentionalism, so basically nothing happens by accident, uh, occultism, nothing is as it seems, but then he stresses dualism. It's always a conflict between good and evil, and he doesn't really okay. stress this everything is connected part, because it really works for 20th century conspiracy theories, but not always for 18th or 19th century conspiracy theories. Okay, so the let's talk let's say the illuminati then that the one the mm. theory about the illuminati uh, i mean that is that a more recent one because you could definitely say that people would say that's connected wouldn't you the illuminati yeah, it's actually not a recent one, but it's a, it's a very old one. But of course, it's been twisted in the yeah. 20th century. Okay. So we get the first conspiracy theories about the Illuminati uh, already in the late 18th and then the early 19th century, where and when scholars uh, in France, in Germany, and in Scotland, Augustin Baruel in France, Johann August Jacques in Germany, and uh, John Robison in uh, Scotland, all developed this theory that the French Revolution was secretly orchestrated by the French Freemasons and the Illuminati. And this is a conspiracy theory that is very prominent uh, for a couple of decades. Sure. And then the Illuminati kind of disappear from the picture. So the people uh, then focus on the Freemasons and they also focus on the Jews. They bring the Jews into the picture. So in, if you look at the protocols of the Elders of Zion, it's the Freemasons and the Jews collaborating. And then you get Helen Nesta Webster, who uh, is this uh, British aristocrat who started starts out by writing novels about the French Revolution and then becomes a conspiracy theorist. And she really resuscitates the Illuminati and she uh, merges them again with the Freemasons and with accusations about the Jews. And there we have something like the first super conspiracy theory early in the 20th century, in the 1920s and 30s, where the Illuminati are collaborating with the communists and with the Jews and a couple of others to bring about the doom of the world. And she is highly influential. So she is uh, corresponding with someone like Ezra Pound and even Winston Churchill in one of his anti-Semitic conspiracy yeah. theory speeches refers to her. It's interesting because I get called in the comments of my channel. I've been called, I've been called Jewish. I've been called a Freemason. I've been called a member of the Illuminati. So it, it, all, yeah. it all ties in, in that, in that it's so many, because I not only do I cover Flat Earth, I, I spend a day a week doing another type of conspiracy theory as well. And... Mm. So there was one guy who um, he had a pizza box from a from a uh, a pizza shop down down near his where he lived, and he basically his entire video he got this pizza box and he dissected it into all the Freemason imagery. Uh, he had some sort of a he had a star in the middle. It, it was ridiculous, like every single tiny little bit. And I did this video, and he was not happy at all that I you know I'm not I'm not harsh in my videos I'm, I'm very I always make a point of attacking the idea not the person mm -hmm. he did not take it well at all and I was an automatic Freemason for, for even questioning his theories yeah, I, I can completely understand that because, I mean, I haven't been called a Jew, but people have uh, aligned me with uh, the Freemasons, also with the Illuminati. I remember for a Swiss magazine once that interviewed me, we did a couple of pictures, and in one picture I do this pyramid across my eye, and of course it's, <laughs> nice. it's clearly staged, yeah. and it's... Um, but uh, I was called a Satanist and an Illuminati because of that, so... Um, 
I'm always also a member of the new world order, an enemy of truth. Yep. I'm brain dead. So all the things that we get called, I mean, I, I, I know you get uh, the same thing. Yeah, I, I've got a habit as well when I talk of, of, of doing hand signals. So if I'm like talking about something, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes yeah. I'll do that. And it's the it's the it's the devil horns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I mean, in Germany, we have Angela Merkel always does this when she's when she's standing there and talking, and then people think she's a member of the Illuminati. But the thing I also get called recently in Germany is that that people have started calling me a fascist. Really. Mm-hmm. Because the people who are protesting against the corona um, right. measures, uh, they think that it's 1933 again, and that yeah. uh, this is the beginning of a dictatorship, and that yeah, uh, very do. soon they will they will be given the choice to uh, uh, to get into the gas or get vaccinated. Yeah. And uh, it's horrible because people really believe that, and you can see in their videos how they are suffering. But uh, it's become really really rough because people who said, "Well, I think you're an idiot. Why are you doing this?" Two years ago, are now beginning their mails to me saying you fascist yeah that's that's not that's not cool at all uh, but what funny you should say that because i recently did my last video was was a, a little bit about the uh the coronavirus and, and what's going on and it appears that people that laugh with me at flat earthers some of them are talking about the things you just said there you know like yeah. back to the 1930s and they'll just it just made me open my eyes a bit thinking okay not everyone believes that all conspiracies are rubbish. Some actually believe they're that they're not. Mm. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean that's definitely that's definitely true. I mean the best predictor, of course, for if somebody believes in a conspiracy theory is that he or she also believe, already believes in another conspiracy theory. But of course, not everybody believes right. everything. So um, I always get chided also in uh, reaction to the book for throwing all conspiracy theories into one bag by talking about uh, 9-11 in the same way with the protocols of the elders of Zion and uh, David Icke and uh, my answer to that is that structurally they're really the same and honestly I think uh, the evidence provided by people who believe that 9-11 was an inside job is as convincing as the evidence uh, provided by people who believe that the earth is flat but of course this really drives these people mad if you uh, put all of this together. Yeah, they're incensed. Um, You mentioned uh, about a mathematician called David Grimes in the book and that he postulated that a secret like the moon landing being faked would have been blown open within four years. What parameters is he using there to get that number? So what he's doing, and I mean, this is really interesting on the one hand, and I think on the other hand, it's quite silly because it's yeah. really a mathematical like sure, uh, yeah. tip of the finger exercise, is that he makes assumptions about how many people would have had to be involved in a specific conspiracy, the moon landing yeah. or uh, the 9-11 attacks. And uh, then he makes assumptions about if there's that many people, it'll take uh, that long for people to talk. And uh, I think with the moon landing, there would be thousands of hundreds of thousands of people involved. So he assumes that this would be uh, revealed within four years. I think with 9-11, it would be slightly fewer people and therefore it would take a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah. But of course he has a point there. I yeah. talk a lot to journalists and what journalists always tell me is somebody always talks. So, I mean, in Germany, 
what we were regularly having these days uh, is that uh, every couple of weeks our chancellor meets with the uh, the governors of the different states and even if they decide not to talk during the break somebody will always talk even though it's not even 20 people in that room yeah. and of course with thousands of people involved in the conspiracy somebody would talk or with the kennedy assassination why haven't there been any deathbed confessions so um yeah. this renders all of these large conspiracy scenarios extremely unlikely absolutely um the the moon landing one is i think you're right that i mean it would have been it would have been hundreds of thousands of people um but by the same stroke we we sometimes see things like where buzz aldrin uh, i don't know if you've seen the interview of buzz aldrin and he and he's talking to a little girl and he's basically saying it was difficult to go back um but he kind of messed his words up a bit and the the conspiracy theorist cut out a bit that said we didn't go mm. and they ran with that and it's and you just think no <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they, that's what they do. Um, I once believed in the moon landing conspiracy theory. You did? For three minutes, about, about three minutes. Okay. So well, that was 1999, and that was the, my first conscious encounter with conspiracy theories. Ah, okay. so I was studying in, in England at uh, UEA Norwich, and okay. uh, it was the 30th anniversary of the moon landing, and the student magazine had a large cover story on wh how the moon landing had been faked inside of a TV studio. And I read that, and I was like 22 years old, yeah. and my world changed. <laughs> and I thought... It's this is so convincing. Why did yeah. nobody ever tell me that? It's so obvious. And well, and I took a deep breath and I think I sipped on my pine and then I turned the page and then there was all the counter evidence and then I felt really, really silly. So, but I was a moon landing conspiracy theorist at least for a minute or so. At oh, you've, you've admitted it though. That's 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 fair enough. You admit, <laughs> I'm trying to think of I, I don't know if I've ever, uh, I don't know if I have, you know, I don't know if I have. I remember, um, that people always ask me to do 9-11 videos, but mm. the problem is I don't know anywhere near enough about it to to debunk the people who are claiming it's an inside job. Um, there's obviously people far more qualified. My my remit is like earth science and stuff like that. Um, but I get asked about it all the time, 9-11, and it's off, mm. it's, it seems to be a real... It seems to be one that people are really latching on to because it seems quite convincing, doesn't it? Some mm. of the evidence. Yeah, I mean, to some people it doesn't. I think it also had these tremendous effects. Uh, yeah. Legitimizing a war, um, other things. And it seems so convincing on the surface, like th mm. three towers collapsed, but you only have two planes. But I mean, plane logic helps a lot because um, and it, I think it's a wonderful example to uh, for showing how this nothing happens by accident works yeah. because if you take the official version of 9-11 it's of course a conspiracy theory in the sense that it postulates a conspiracy and a conspiracy by Al-Qaeda sure, yeah. uh, terrorists hijacking these planes but then of course in this theory you have one plane being brought down by the passengers near Shanksville, Pennsylvania and not hitting its target and uh, even with the two planes hitting the Twin Towers do you think uh, Al-Qaeda knew that the towers would eventually collapse? Mm. I'm not really sure, I don't think no. they knew that, no. but even if they did they certainly did not count on uh, 
um, did not, they, they certainly did not count on debris from the Twin Towers damaging the third building, uh, World Trade Center 7, to such a degree that it also eventually collapsed. Yeah. So there's a lot of coincidence of what happened there. But if you take the conspiracy theory that it was an inside job, then um, something very fishy happened with the fourth plane that was brought down in Pennsylvania because, um, of course, it can't be that uh, the passengers interfered yeah. with the plan of the conspirators. And then, of course, the uh, the Twin Towers and World Trade Center number seven were brought down by controlled demolition, which means that uh, somebody somehow managed to yeah. plant the explosives in uh, the steel carriers of these three buildings, then managed to fly two planes into the Twin Towers without setting off the explosives. Uh, and managed to damage the Twin Towers in such a way that the debris from the Twin Towers would damage the third building in such a way that you could afterwards somehow legitimately claim that it had been destroyed because of the damage done by by the debris. Um, so there you see how unlikely these things become and uh, the role of coincidence in a theory that might be about a conspiracy but is not a conspiracy theory and the complete exclusion of coincidence in what we call a conspiracy theory. Yeah, I mean, I knew someone who, uh, because they heard that the insurance was taken out two weeks before something to include terrorist attacks, mm. they were sold. That was it. They needed no other evidence other than that. To it, it, it boggled my mind. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it's the same thing with um, the BBC reported the collapse of World Trade Center 7, I think, 20 minutes before it actually collapsed. Yeah. And you you have this footage where they are, the reporters in the studio and you see World Trade Center 7 in the background. And the conspiracy theorists then say, this is foreknowledge. Yeah. And here something slightly went wrong. They're reporting on that too wrong, but they knew they had to report on that. If, just, if you just think about it, uh, the building had been evacuated because two other buildings had already collapsed that day and had killed uh, many people people yeah, so um, and there's this utter confusion on the ground and of course uh, they knew the building would collapse and then of course how this transforms into the uh, the news the building has already collapsed it's quite easy to understand but for the, of course for the conspiracy theorists yeah. this is impossible yeah. because this would be too much co coincidence yeah absolutely um so what i gen i mean you obviously know a lot of conspiracy theories and you know a lot about them but what i genuinely want to know is what is the strangest conspiracy theory that you've ever heard of well, until a couple of weeks, uh, my answer to that question always was uh, it's David Icke's uh, theory about uh, reptilians yep. in human form <laughs> ruling the earth. But honestly, um, I think by now it is the idea that Hugo Chavez uh, somehow a couple of years after his death was involved in manipulating the 2020 US elections as Donald Trump's lawyer uh, claimed in one of her, oh, even wow. for for her more outrageous speeches where she said, well, these voting machines have been manipulated and Hugo Chavez was involved. And I was thinking, this must be the craziest conspiracy theory I've ever heard. <laughs> Yeah, that is that. I mean, I I would have been with you on the David Icke one, but that is that's a different level, isn't it? It's it's outrageous, and yeah. it's. I mean, and the, the thing that um, you go and you bring something like this to court, it's um, almost unimaginable. Yeah, it's funny you should mention David Icke actually, because I once tackled one of his theories that Saturn used to be a star. Now I'm I'm astronomy mm. is probably my my specialist subject so i debunked it quite thoroughly um 
But how dangerous is it to have someone of David Icke's personality spreading all of this rubbish? Because I see him everywhere and he's on big YouTube channels with millions of viewers. It's not it's not good, is it? Um, I think it's not good. I mean, I, I think he's really... His conspiracy theory is a very interesting one in that this is one where we can really trace it back to this one person. Usually conspiracy theories are not attached to a single person yeah, to such an amazing point. degree. And um, I have to say, I never really managed to watch one of his nine-hour talks in its entirety. <laughs> so... Um, and the thing is that he's not like other conspiracy theorists at first sight, right? Because very often they're sure. very loud and aggressive yeah. and he actually has a sense of humor. He's quite calm. So for the first like three or four hours of one of his talks, this feels like a kind of self-help uh, thing. Yeah, let's be nicer to each other. And then all the stuff with Jews comes along and with other people. And I think this is what makes it really particularly dangerous. Yeah, I have to admit, if I was down the pub and I was chatting with him and he wasn't talking about conspiracy theories, I'd probably get along with him. I'd be like, he's a nice guy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the same I feel. I mean, there are many conspiracies. I mean, take someone like Alex Jones, for example. Yeah. I couldn't imagine getting along with Alex Jones no, for just a minute. Not. And he yeah. feels so intense. <laughs> Whereas with David Icke, I would say, well, um, let's talk about football and uh, yeah. and these things. And a couple of other things. And let's have another drink. But and let's not talk about the reptilians. And <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I, it was it was the one and only time I've tackled, uh, I think, because he doesn't do much about astronomy and things like that. But um, I, I don't think I'm going to go... Uh, near David Icke again. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Yeah. Um, so, Katz, the the co-host, the normal co-host, and I are entrenched in the world of flat earthers. I'm I'm fairly sure there's not much we don't know about flat Earth and the people that that propagate it. How much experience have you had with them? I have to say, surprisingly little experience. So, most of what I know about flat earthers comes from reading about them and watching this Netflix uh, yeah. documentary. But um, the flat earth isn't really that important in the conspiracy theorists' emails that I get here. And it's not really important on the, uh, the conspiracy theory websites that I monitor and that I engage with. Maybe because these people are more interested in the hollow earth and the Nazis yeah, secretly survive. That uh, might be the case. But um, so I know, of course, about the theory. And uh, I think most of the things that I know about other conspiracy theories also apply to that. But I haven't really had a lot of personal experience with people who believe that. Well, I, I mean, like I was saying before we started, I do know of a couple of, of German creators who are flat earthers, but the majority of them seem to be US and UK based. Mm. Um, the US, apparently, after some polling, which I don't 100% trust, they say one in 10 US are doubtful that the earth is a globe does that surprise you one in ten I mean, I mean one in ten is a big uh big number i, yeah. I know that with these polls it always it's, it's always very important how you exactly sure. word things so with the yeah. qn and conspiracy theory for example you get vastly different results mm. depending on how you ask it but um i'm not entirely um not entirely surprised i have to say because we know that i mean every second american believes in at least one conspiracy theory we also know that if you believe in one you tend to believe in more sure. and yeah. uh there is um so much skepticism about established science especially i think in the united states uh yeah, these days i think this is one of the things why it's not so popular in germany where people might i mean even the german conspiracy theory community is very divided about something like climate change and now they're yeah. all that thinking that corona is a hoax and they're anti-vaxxers but uh usually they don't challenge uh, the basic laws of science and insights to such a degree i think this has more to do is, is more prominent in the u.s where 
um, many people just never really learned about that. Yeah, that in school. absolutely. So I think education is an important factor. Indeed, yeah. and Katz and I talk about it quite a bit, and we, we we often say it's not necessarily their fault because you know they might not have got the education that that others have. Yeah, and I mean, we know that um, education and belief in conspiracy theories are negatively correlated. Sure, so yeah. um, the, the better educated you are, the less likely you are to believe in conspiracy theories, which does not mean that there aren't highly educated conspiracy theorists. But statistically, of course, you're far more likely to be a conspiracy theorist if you're uh, worse educated than uh, somebody else. There, there's an interesting trend here in the UK uh, or an interesting statistic that I've discovered Um and there seems to be like a north-south divide in the UK. Um, and the majority of flat earthers in the UK who make content and who are in and around YouTube are above that line. What do you make of that? The, 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 nor the, the north of the country seem to be more flat earth. That's an interesting thing. So yeah. um, I mean... I used to be very Anglophile, studied in the, in the UK and everything. Okay. So, um, but um, these days are in a way over in a way. So I don't know that much about the uh, the UK any more than I did before. But I, I would say that it might be that the level of education differs. I mean, we know it that these be. are the, yeah. the poorer parts. Um, and we also know that something that drives belief in conspiracy theories, of course, is if people feel powerless and if yeah. people feel out of control. And... Um, there's a lot of people feeling this out of control at the moment. And, and I think yeah. this is something that might correspond with this, that uh, the people in the South um, might think, well, actually, I, I'm better represented by the government. They're listening to me. Uh, I have For a sure. voice, whereas people there think, no, nobody's caring about me, like people in the Rust Belt in the United States that then yeah. uh, went out and voted for Donald Trump. This might, this is uh, comes to, to my mind um on the spur of the moment and there might be something to it yeah sure just to clarify i'm not saying that everyone who lives in the north of the uk is a flat <laughs> i've got i've got friends who are in the north and they won't be happy about that um uh one of the things that obviously is quite prevalent at the moment is the is vaccines of course mm. um in a recent poll the question do brits think vaccines have harmful, effect, harmful effects which are not being disclosed was asked two thousand people were polled um but four percent of adults said definitely and 16% said probably. That, to me, is a shocking result. What, why do you think vaccines get this sort of negative attention? That's a good question. I mean, in Germany, there's a big discussion at the moment about that medical staff and hospitals does yeah. not want to get vaccinated against the um, against Corona. It's, right. uh, the doctors want to get vaccinated, but the nurses are very reluctant. Sometimes it's down to a third. Okay. Uh, it's only a third that it, that gets vaccinated at the moment. Um, of course, not all of them are conspiracy theorists because this is a new vaccine, and there are people yeah. they such as say there might be effects that we don't know about yet. But of course, there are also these who think we are there. There's really conspiracy going on. They're hiding something yeah. from uh, from us. And I think the thing is that the positive effect of vaccines is something uh, that most of us are not aware of. We don't see that because yeah. we don't have to deal with the things that vaccines are good against. So um, we only see these things when something is not working. So there is no um, media coverage of uh, the millions of people who get vaccinated and uh, to whom nothing happens. Yeah. But then there are these weird cases about um, 
yeah, people who are apparently damaged by vaccines. So there was a, the German conspiracy community has been highlighting a case of someone, a 91-year-old man in Switzerland who was vaccinated and uh, against corona and, and died three days later, probably unrelated to sure. the vaccine. Yeah. But of course, they're making a big, big, big case out of that. Yeah. So um, I think vaccines, you can't really see that. You don't understand how they're working. You don't really see the positive effects. I think this is one thing. And then on the other hand, it seems to be that the anti-vaxxers are highly organized and they're very good at public relations. Yes. So um, one of the things that my colleagues and I have been discussing in this network that I chaired for a while, this uh, European network with people from 40 countries, is that uh, no matter in the world where you are, in which language you Google uh, about vaccination, you're always directed to a number of the same websites. Wow. So somebody must be spending money yeah. on that. Yeah, to, a lot to of get you and there. time, yeah, definitely. And I think this really um, has an impact on people. Yeah, you're right. It, I mean, it just it just shocked me a bit over here in the UK. I mean, I don't know what it's like in Germany, but obviously you've got the the, the vaccinations that you are you're supposed to have as a baby and as you're growing up. Mm. And one in five adults in this poll, anyway, are are doubtful that these vaccines are are working. And and it, to me, that doesn't match up because obviously most of the adult population have children, and they're supposed to be putting their children through this vaccination course and. You know, what if they're withholding their children? It's just, yeah. it's very worrying, very worrying. Yeah, I mean, we had some measles outbreaks in yes. um, in Germany. And I mean, the interesting thing about uh, anti-vax conspiracy theories is that uh, what we talked about earlier with education and propensity to conspiracy theories doesn't really work there because the people who uh, believe in uh, medical conspiracy theories, especially vaccination conspiracy theories, are often very educated. Yes. So something that I get asked very frequently is why is it that there are is a considerable number of doctors medical doctors who believe that vaccination is harmful so and it's something i can't really explain I, I, the, what i say then is well just because you've studied something got a degree in something and maybe are practicing something doesn't mean that you're good in every area maybe sure, you're really yeah. bad all across the board but it's really it's it's really puzzling that i mean we all know about andrew wakefield and yeah, uh, and others but um that there's such a high number that's really weird but medicine is is incredibly difficult to, uh, mm. to to study so you're right i mean someone who is a, a radiologist for example might not know anything about vaccines or, or not mm. as much about vaccines and, and okay. yeah it's it, it's got to be part of it for sure um right so it's this time of the show where we play our little game called Guess the Conspiracy. I'm a little <laughs> bit worried because I think you probably know most conspiracies, but uh, we'll give it a go. So, yes, it's the time where Katz and I have made up a fake conspiracy theory and we're going to uh, each and we're going to try and trick you as to select which conspiracy theory is the real one uh, in terms of the one that people actually believe and the two that are fabricated by uh, Katz and I. Um, so Katz, unfortunately, because he wasn't here, hasn't been able to do one. So I've done the two. I fabricated both of the two that which aren't true in that no one believes them. Or I hope no one believes them anyway. Not yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this there. is the worry. I've the, seven episodes it. now. Seven episodes, and there's like all these new conspiracies going out there. I'm bet it's, yeah. Uh, okay, so here we go. Number one: uh, incorrect memories are a side effect of jumping dimensions. That's the first conspiracy theory. Uh, number two: a subspecies of human from the planet Mars came to Earth tens of thousands of years ago and advanced our technological evolution. And number three. 
There is no such thing as the ozone layer. It's fabricated scientific theory made up of made up by conservationists so the general public will listen. Hmm. That's the three. Uh, they all sound very convincing, I have to say. Um, okay, now I, that might be pretty embarrassing. I have to make sure none of my students is going to watch well, this. Well, do, um, I don't want to put pressure on you, but it's three all. So the, the, we've got three and the guests have got three. So if you get this right, you take the lead. If you get it wrong, Katz and I are in the lead. <laughs> um, I think that the, Mar uh, the, the, the second one is true. You're going for the, Mars. the, the yeah. subspecies of human from the planet Mars came from to Earth tens of thousands of years ago and advanced our technical evolution. Hmm. Okay. Is that your final answer? I think it is, yeah. yeah? Okay. Oh, uh, we've done it. We've tricked. Well, sorry, I've done it. I've tricked you. So uh, the real one. So yeah, I, the the subspecies of human from planet Mars. I made that up, and I made the one up about the ozone layer as one as well. The real one is that incorrect memories are a side effect of jumping dimensions. The Mandela effect. Huh. Mandela yeah. effect. You heard of that one? Yeah. Yeah. So I think I heard of yeah. That, yeah. So obviously, but it, I mean, it is a real thing. The Mandela effect. You you mm. you have a, a memory mm. about something which isn't correct. Mm. Yeah. But I was thinking of this Erich von Däniken uh, thing about the Martians and the pyramids. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's 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 loads like that, but but yeah. I was quite specific. The subspecies. Yeah. 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 So, so um, good. So yeah, un, un, unlucky, unlucky. It's not an easy game. We're getting better at it. Uh, oh, it's good. It's um, it's uh, it's actually quite reassuring that there are conspiracy <laughs> theories that are not uh, at the front of my mind all yeah, the time. Yeah, no, that is good. It is good. Uh, <laughs> like we good. Uh, when we good. when we started it, we were getting a bit too specific with our theories, and people were getting them. So we've started a bit more generalised, and we're we're doing it now. But anyway, four three to us, um, Michael. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been a fascinating chat about conspiracy theories. Um, I do it week in, week out. Um, where can we find you? Uh, are you on are you on social? Um, I'm thinking about going on social. Um, yes. There is uh, my uh, Populism and Conspiracy Theory project is on Twitter. Um, okay. And we will start tweeting very soon. We're still Brilliant. thinking about how to introduce ourselves. It's ERC at hashtag ERC pact is, um, is where we are. Okay. And, um, you can just Google me and you'll find me. You'll find many YouTube's of, YouTube videos of me. And of course, there is the English translation of my book now, right? Absolutely, uh, yeah. The Nature of Conspiracy Theories. Um, and I have an email address. And so feel free to contact me and uh, yell Perfect. at me for all the lies that I'm spreading. Good stuff. We'll put all of that in the, the, in the links in, the, in cool. the description of the show as well. But thank you very much for joining us. Uh, so next week, we have got Daniel Clark, who is the director of the Netflix documentary Behind the Curve about the Flat Earthers. So that should be a very interesting chat. Cool. But for now, thank you very much. Goodbye.